Good morning. I'm Julie. If you don't recognize me, it's because it's been a while since I've taught. I was busy having a baby, so it's good to be back. Welcome. What do you do when the world and everyone who lives in it goes on with life as normal after you've experienced a loss? I'll tell you what I did. I quit, just walked away. My mother-in-law had just died, and my father-in-law, who was severely disabled from a stroke, came to live with us, and I wasn't prepared for any of it. On top of that, I was overwhelmed with commitment. I was stretched thin. I had spent the previous four years helping to plant a church in a neighboring town, not Orchard, and it was growing, and I loved it. But one of the growing pains of a brand new church is that you lean heavily on a few people, and I was one of them. It was great at first, I enjoyed it. I loved being a part of something so wonderful and so exciting. But then the summer of 2008 came and we were driving back and forth from Kansas City every weekend, watching my mother-in-law progressively get worse. And we knew the end was coming and it was a long and hard road and it was so very exhausting. The hardest part is that life goes on. I still had to work, we still had commitments at church, and for a while I managed. I just fought through it and did what I had to do until she died and then I couldn't. I didn't know how to move forward and I was devastated. And I remember the first Sunday I came back after she had died and after my father-in-law came to live with us and I was greeted at the door by someone complaining that no one had made coffee that day. Wasn't I the one who did the schedule for that? The next greeting was by a dear friend who expressed how tired he was because he'd been covering for me for the past eight weeks and he just needed a break. No one recognized or mentioned the fact that we had lost someone dear to us or noticed that we were exhausted because life had just thrown us a curveball and no one recognized that life was different somehow that we were actively caring for an aging parent day in and day out. And I'm not criticizing because I've done this too. Sometimes I'm so focused and task-oriented that I fail to, miss, to notice the person. And that's honestly what happened. And it wasn't out of intention or meanness, but still it hurt deeply. And then the unthinkable happened. I was thrown to the wolves by the leadership team when they had me meet with a disgruntled lady who bent my ear about how women shouldn't teach. I felt ambushed like they had put her off just long enough until I got back and could make the case for a woman teacher when I never felt like I should have to be the one to defend it. And when you're in a vulnerable spot as I was, this was like the death blow, quick, effective, and efficient. I left that day with the cancer of discouragement ravishing my soul. And it only took four months before I quit just walked away from something I had invested four years of my life in. Have you ever quit something you loved? Have you ever walked away from a dream? Has something ever fallen out of your hands that you've devoted your whole life to? That's what happened to me, so I quit, gave up. For a year, I didn't do much. I worked at home, so I hardly left my house. I isolated myself from both friends and families to basically become a shut-in. But that's exactly where God met me and stepped into my pain, and this became the hardest but most memorable year of my entire life. And through this process, I found a love for the scriptures. 
a deep passion for knowing and understanding them. And through that, I found a relational God who met me in my darkest place and started changing my heart so that I could eventually love people again and eventually love his church again. And then looking back, I see how the parable of the sower of the seed, the parable we're talking about today, save me and bring my heart back to life. Jesus was brilliant, and the application of this parable changed my life, although I didn't know it was happening at the time. In fact, it was a long time later when I started studying this parable that I realized what Jesus was talking about and how it had happened to me over the course of that year. Jesus starts teaching this parable from a boat in the Sea of Galilee, and he has a huge audience on shore. And imagine that given this location, Many of these people were rural farmers, so this parable about planting seeds would be something that they would relate to. Let's read the account from Mark. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large, he got in a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. And when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Did you know that the kingdom of God operates through the principle of the seed? But it's not just the kingdom of God. In fact, the world system operates on seeds. Think about it. Without the seed, life would not exist. There'd be no grass, no trees, no food, and no people. When God spoke the world into existence, one of the first things he created was the seed. This happened on day three, right after he separated the land from the water and before any living thing existed. Not only did he create the seed right away, he gave seeds the ability to continually reproduce. This is incredibly important. God created everything to procreate through the law of seeds, which is why he waited to put anything living on earth, otherwise it would have been short-lived. Can you imagine Adam and Eve starving to death? Can you imagine what would have happened if they weren't able to have children? When Jesus reveals the kingdom principle of the seed, this wasn't a new thing. This system was in place since the beginning of time. Jesus just identified it and then explained how it works so we too can harness and use the principle of seeds in our own life. Turning back to the Gospel of Mark, let's look at Jesus' explanation of this parable. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. 
Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what is sown. So the primary explanation of this parable is that the seed the farmer sows is the word of God, mainly the scripture. But just for a moment, let's give ourselves the freedom to ponder that every word is a seed. How many of you have ever said something mean or nasty to someone that you actually love and then instantly regretted it the minute those words leave your mouth? That's because the minute those words hit, it causes a physical change in that person. Faces always reflect the damage from words. There's something concrete in the way we receive them. On the flip side, how many of us are harboring resentment over something someone once said to us? Why does it bother us so? That's just proof that words are seeds. There's life-giving and life-robbing force in them. When I had returned to church after my mother-in-law died, the words that were spoken to me robbed me of life and physically changed my heart and attitude. And all of that happened because words, which are seeds, had a lot of power over me. This is why Jesus was brilliant. He understood the importance of this, so he spent a lot of time teaching parables about seeds in order to provoke new thought and new ways of living. He identified universal truths and then explained how to harness them. So let's figure out how to do that with this parable. The seed Jesus is saying to plant is the word of God or the message about the kingdom of God. So this is my interpretation of that. Read your Bible. Does this cause fear and dread and insecurity to rise up on anybody else? If we know it's important, then why don't we have a life change? And by that I mean, why don't we find ourselves becoming more and more like Jesus when we do plant the seed of scripture? According to Jesus, the problem is not the seed. The problem is the soil. The fail rate is great because of the soil. We can limit and stop the seed or the word of God from producing fruit in our own lives because of the condition of our heart when we receive it. Jesus identifies four types of soil to explain what helps or hinders the seed. Let's look at verse 15. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So the first type of soil is the seed sown along the path. As the seeds are tossed out on the ground, the seeds are not able to penetrate the soil, which means they lie on top and become bird food. I've witnessed this. We were gone for a week and the grass had gone to seed by the time we got back. The next day, hundreds of blackbirds were having breakfast on our lawn because mowing had scattered the seed. Here's Jesus's explanation when people don't understand what they hear, the truth is stolen. This is a scary situation. Satan has total access to steal the message about the kingdom from us when our heart is impenetrable. We are literally driving out of the Cedar Falls parking lot one Sunday and the driver of my car, who shall remain nameless, is my husband, went into a rage about other drivers. That day's message, or the word of God, was lost before we drove off of Orchard's property. It went in one ear and immediately out the other. If we don't understand and pay attention, we are leaving valuable seed on the surface to be immediately stolen. Here's the bottom line. It's the condition of the hard-packed soil that is the sole reason the seed is ineffective. I've seen this in my own life. For the short time I was still attending the church after my heart had been wounded, 
I'm sure my friends recognized that I needed cared for. I'm sure they tried, but I had made up my mind that first day that I was treated wrong and I let my heart get hard, full of anger and bitterness, resentment and unforgiveness. And I'm sure as I sat in church, the pastor tossed out seeds of scripture that could have helped me through that time. But instead of receiving the seed, I sat there angrily and that seed of truth was immediately stolen from me. And some of us here this morning are like this. We're angry. It's too cold in here. It's too hot. The music's too loud. There's a woman teacher up there and she's wearing jeans. (laughs) Maybe you're storing up hurt of what the church has done to you or changed over time or what life has thrown you. Maybe you're grieving a loss like I was. There are so many reasons to let our hearts resemble the hard packed soil, hard and impenetrable. But listen, this is the sole reason that the seed is ineffective, which means it's dangerous to continue on in this way. It means that whenever the word of God or the message about the kingdom of God is shared, we will be robbed of a life change from hearing it. So I encourage you to evaluate your heart in this moment. What are the things that you're angry about? What are the things you could let go of this morning? Where do you need to go and ask for forgiveness even if you feel like you were the one wronged? I had to. Last year I went to the pastor of that church and I asked him to forgive me for what happened almost 10 years ago. And you know what? It freed me. And I was really able to let go of some of the hurt I had been holding onto. And I always thought it was me who needed to be apologized to when all along it was me who needed to ask for forgiveness. The condition of the hard-packed soil is the sole reason the seed is ineffective. So don't let the condition of your heart be the reason you don't experience an encounter with a relational God through the pages of scripture. The second type of soil is rocky ground. Now, I'm kind of known for my salsa around the orchard staff. And so I'll never forget the year I tried to start my plants from seeds. I bought all the supplies and I started the seedlings in the corner of my office. And I was amazed to see that I had sprouts within two days. Two days later, they were lifeless because there was no room to grow in the ice cube sized container. The same thing happens to the seed sown on rocky ground. Verse 16 says, Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. So when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The hazard to the seed in this type of soil is that the soil is so shallow it won't sustain growth because the roots can't go deep. So the seedling withers and dies quickly. It is set up to fail. Notice the end result is the exact same as the seed sown on the path, failure. The seed simply cannot do what it's supposed to do, which is grow, instead it dies. I was a textbook example of this. The moment trouble came, I ran and hid. I wasn't prepared for hardship in life. I had let the seed penetrate my heart only so far, so there was a little growth, a little excitement, but I never really let it change my heart or the way I thought or the way I interacted in this world. The seed had no room to develop roots, which means it was easy to stamp out and kill the moment trouble came. Jesus says in this parable that trouble will come because of the word. So if the seed isn't laying on top to be immediately stolen, Satan's gonna dig it up and root it out as soon as he can. So how about you? How are your roots? 
Is the seed of the word able to get established in your heart? Or do you just come here on a Sunday morning but never let these truths impact your life? What will happen in times of trouble or hardship? Will you run and hide like I did? Or will your roots be deep enough to weather the storm? The shallow soil is the sole reason the seed is ineffective. The third type of soil is thorny, and I'm a little embarrassed to admit that this summer I am growing weeds. It's not my intention, I planted vegetables. But one of the side effects of having a brand new baby is I have absolutely no time to weed. So by neglect, the weeds have taken over. This is what Jesus said about the thorns. He said, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. The third type of soil is thorny or full of weeds. So as the seeds sprout and the plants grow, the thorns grow and choke the plants. Jesus gives insight into exactly what the thorns or the weeds are a little bit later on here. He says, still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. In short, busyness, distraction, and neglect is what is allowed to choke and strangle the word of God from producing. Although planted unintentionally, these things tend to flourish and choke out the most important things, just like weeds do to the actual things we plant. And so I think this type of soil is the most hazardous. It's so prevalent in our world. Before trouble hit us, I was so busy, I didn't have time to think. I'd placed so much importance on doing things for God that I didn't know God. I felt like if I could do enough, then I might be enough and he might accept me. But the trouble with that is what is enough? The more I did, the more I felt I had to do. And I had so many balls in the air, it was exhausting. So when hardship came, it was an easy out because I didn't have energy left. The weeds won. I had been, they had been strangling growth for a while. There was little resistance because I was so tired and basically looking for an excuse to be done. How many of us this morning are just plain tired? Are we overcommitted? Do we try and fill up every minute of every day with activity because it's so much easier than being alone with our thoughts? If I had been better at saying no, then I might have had a little bit more room for the seed to grow and flourish in my life. The weeds choke the seed, making it unfruitful, which means no harvest, no life change. Jesus finishes by saying, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. The fourth type of soil is the seed sown on good ground. And during the harvest, this soil's yield is 30, 60, or even 100 times what is sown. That is incredible. Notice the seed is the same, but there's something special about the soil. The good soil does not have more, it has less. Less rocks, less weeds, less thorns, less cares, less concerns, less distractions. So in essence, it has more room for the seed to grow and produce something wonderful, something beautiful. When Jesus explained this parable, he revealed what makes up good heart soil. It says, but the seed falling on good soil refers to one who hears the word and understands it, 
This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. Here's how I saw the parable of the sower of the seed save me and bring my heart back to life after I'd conditioned it to be good soil. First, I started reading the book of Romans. It's basically like the handbook of our faith. And then I read it again, and then I read it again, and then I read it again, and then I started listening to it, and then I started talking to my friends about it, and then I memorized it. Crazy, I know. Who does that? person desperate to know and understand God does that. And this helped me to continually think about it as I started working my way verse by verse through it, taking the time with each one until I understood it. I spent a lot of time wrestling with the things that were hard to understand and the things that seemed to contradict other parts of scripture. And then all of a sudden, the things I had heard my entire life growing up in church started to make sense. They became real. Through this process, it was like looking in a mirror and I saw that I had always tried to earn God's favor by what I did and how hard I worked. And this was an attempt to satisfy this longing to know him and be accepted by him. But instead, it filled my life with both rocks and weeds. But then when I started understanding this amazing letter by Paul, the image changed and started to reflect how much I was loved by him. It showed me Jesus, how he took my sin and my shame and my shortcomings and my failures and even my best self and my best attempts at reaching him and pleasing him. And he exchanged it for his righteousness. That's right, I got Jesus's perfect record. I got an invitation to interact with the God of the universe on a personal level because Jesus alone made me worthy to do it. And for the first time in my life, I understood this on a heart level. Now, don't get me wrong, this is stuff I heard my entire life. But when I got rid of the rocks and the weeds and the cares and the concerns, and I just sat for a while in his presence with a teachable heart, then these things became truths that became alive on the inside of me. The seed of his word literally got planted in my heart and things started growing. Good things beautiful things, things that gave me life. They passed through my understanding and became real and tangible in the way I think. Now remember how I said the law of multiplicity takes over and the return is 30, 60, or 100 times. Here's the ways that God has used the seed hidden in my heart and multiplied it outside of what he's done for me personally. First, even standing here today is a miracle. I shouldn't tell you this. In college, one time I took a shot of cinnamon snaps before a speech because I was so terrified of public speaking. And here I am standing in front of you this morning sharing a truth that I started planting nine years ago and I only had to have a shot of espresso. God multiplies a seed. Another cool thing that happened during this time is I started writing the thoughts um, on the things I was learning and then I shared them through a blog that no one but my mom read at first and now it has a worldwide reach. This is shocking to me. The things that I have read or written are being used to train pastors in the Middle East and in India where it is so hard and dangerous to have a Bible and where they have absolutely no one to teach them. They reach out to me to ask me for help in materials. That's crazy. 
Some of the things I've written have been sent into prisons to be used as Bible studies. It's being used in a college ministry in Florida as curriculum. And even a local church in Waverly is using one of my small group material studies this fall. I'm shocked over this. I started planting scripture because I needed to draw healing from it. Never in my wildest dreams would I imagine that God would use and multiply his seed in this way. But as Jeff said two weeks ago, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Jesus promises a return of 30, 60, and 100 times what is sown when we make an investment and plant the seed of scripture in our heart. This parable has been life-changing for me. And so today I hope that this inspires you to take one more step towards Jesus. This parable is an invitation into the kingdom. We get what we sow. So I challenge you to give yourself a little room for the seed to be planted in good soil and then let the seed do its work. Pray with me. Jesus, you are so brilliant. Your truth so timeless. Thank you for the parable of the sower of the seed. God, help us condition our hearts to be good soil because we just know that you will multiply your seed. God, thank you that these truths span the test of time. God, you are brilliant. We just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.